Welcome to Education Talks, I'm David Burke. David Higginson is one of the original founders of Schools Buddy, a well-established school activities platform. In this interview, I ask him about his pathway from the finance industry to establishing a successful edtech company. David also talks about his next project, an insightful interview, particularly for anyone thinking about venturing into the edtech industry. Well, David, welcome to Education Talks. Uh, it's great to have you here. Nice to be here, David. And uh, where in the world are you joining us from? Uh, I live in uh, Horsham uh, in the UK, which is about an hour south of London. So, um, yeah, we're lucky. We're in a nice part of the world. Very nice part of the world. And, uh, yeah, it is great to have you on because I'm excited to talk to someone who has, I think, you know, achieved quite a lot, um, as in transitioning from outside of education into uh, the ed tech industry. Um, so you were one of the founders of a Schools Buddy. Um, I'm wondering if you could sort of just though, give us a little bit of uh, background of your career before you started Schools Buddy. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess like a lot of people, I, I, went to, I went to uni in the UK um, and came out of university without a real strong vision of exactly what it was that I wanted to do. Uh, so I ended up working then in a number of sales jobs um, and ultimately ended up in financial services uh, in the UK. So I was predominantly a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like 2004 I started. Um, and I did that for about eight years. Um, and then I got to a point of that where I'd sort of stopped learning I, I guess in a way I, I you know you're always learning a bit but but I was you know I'd done it for a long period of time and something suggested perhaps it's like the seven year itch that you know people talk about that I just kind of was like what else is out there um so at that point um I decided to uh to do something else with again no with no real concrete plan um just see what what else would would come about. I was fortunate in the sense that I was, you know, single, no dependent. So I didn't have um, that kind of worry, uh, uh, you know, and, and the pressure of, say, a, you know, a mortgage or a family to feed. So I was, I was pretty lucky to be able to then go and um, do something else. So uh, I had a year in Australia, um, just down the road from, uh, from your neck of the woods, um, originally, I think. Um, but I was down in, well, down in, in Melbourne rather than Sydney. And, um, yeah, I, I went there, um, on a kind of pretty informal exchange program to, to play some club cricket over there, um, which was quite entertaining. Um, when you're an Englishman playing cricket in Australia, you tend to get a fair bit of, uh, cops and abuse as, um, <laughs> as you guys might say. Um, so, uh. That was quite fun, and I worked as a, a garden labourer. Um, did some garden labouring for a really great guy over there, and during that period, was just trying to figure out what was next. And slowly, while I was there, though, I, those ideas began to um, to formulate. So those ideas. This was the start of Schools Buddy. So can you tell us, um, you know, how did how did you, that come about? Like, what was the inspiration and what was the original project aim? Yeah, so like a lot of these things, 
the schools buddy was not originally going to be schools buddy. Um, so one of my passions, as we've just mentioned, is cricket. And I was organizing um, a cricket team in the UK. My um, friend who became business partner, um, Gary uh, Hector, was also cricket, but played a lot of golf and a lot of football or soccer. Um, and we were frustrated effectively by the fact that at the end of a game in a changing room or in the in the pub how you would go about getting the people to play next week mm. and the collection of money um you know and you'd have to give the money to the, the treasurer of the club and all those things it's just a it, you know it's a common process it's a it's a it's a frustrating process so we um this was kind of i guess the beginning of like apps, not maybe not like the very beginning, but early on in the in apps, and we thought oh, it'd be a pretty cool idea to build an app to try and solve that problem. Um, so that was actually eventually we we decided to call that Subsbuddy for various reasons, and then as we built the product, um, we uh, we took it to our old school. So Gary and I actually were at the same school, a uh, different. Uh, we never were at school together, but we were from the same school. And we took it to our school and said, look, what do you think? You know, do you think this would work in schools? Um, they said yes. We spoke to a couple of other schools who said yes. We thought we'd cracked it. Um, and then realized over a bit of time that it wasn't quite as easy as it originally had seemed. Um and then so we started to then focus on the school aspect rather than the club aspect, because we just realized that, you know, unless you're trying to get something to go kind of viral and what's the kind of alchemy for that, that we would find it probably easier to kind of have a, an approach where you're approaching organizations asking for meetings. Mm -hmm. So we thought that was a logical decision. So there was yourself and Gary. Uh, was there anyone else involved in the early, uh, early development? <laughs> Yeah, we had a great, um, really good developer, a guy called Paul, um, who is a really, probably extremely key, actually, because he's a great all-rounder. Um, I knew nothing about technology. Gary was pretty knowledgeable, but neither of us are developers. Um, so I hadn't realized, you know, when you're developing on iOS or on Android or on a um, PC, for example, the different skill sets that, you know, I just thought a developer was a developer. Obviously, that's far from the case. Um, and Paul was a terrific all-rounder. So he was able to help us build multi across all the platforms. And he was he was really important, actually, um, which was, yeah, we were very lucky to find him. The scope of the project, did it change? Like, and how, I guess, how quickly did, did that sort of, um, I guess, development process and the, the broadening of the scope of works change? Yeah, that's probably an understatement um, in that we, so when we started, it was still SubBuddy. When SubBuddy became Schools Buddy, it went from an estimated three months to launch to about three years to launch. So um, we didn't know that, you know, the, the, it was constantly, there were constant iterations and changes, um, but it was... It was a much lengthier process than we had definitely envisaged to begin with, without a shadow of a doubt. 
So getting the ball rolling in schools then, so there's that long build-up of, uh, I guess, developing the, the project itself, but then getting that ball rolling in schools, that's a really crucial thing to get right. Uh, how did that go? Yeah, it was... So, so going back to what I just mentioned a minute ago, so we, we spoke to three schools in the UK that we knew and um, that we had contacts with, and, and they were all interested. And we sort of stopped our market research at that point, which in some respects was a mistake, in others was probably a benefit, um, because I think if we'd have realised how long it would take to penetrate the market, that we might have given up because, you know, took a long time and you're right it, getting that traction is is definitely not easy in schools I think what we where we were particularly naive I think was the buying cycle um, all of the jobs I'd sold lots of you know I'd done mortgages but I'd done holiday jobs so I'd sold I've, you know I've sold vacuum cleaners I've sold aerial photos of people's houses all of those decisions pretty much that I'd been involved with before were always a pretty you know more or less an immediate yes or no um so to go from from that to a situation where you could see that there would you could see we were onto something we knew we were onto something early on um but to see how long that process was and and that kind of evolved before our eyes so we weren't it's only with hindsight really that we understood it mm -hmm. um that was a real challenge um, without a shadow of a doubt. I know what it's like to be in a school environment where um, people are reaching out with you know, products or solutions. Um, I, I can only imagine how difficult it is because schools are different sort of, different to businesses. They're a different type of environment and perhaps um, cycles can be uh, hard to predict, but also, you know, people's availabilities and perhaps projects that change. Um, that must have been uh, just, uh, I guess, a learning curve for you as well. But I, I think completely. I, I think we didn't appreciate. And again, you, you, you know, when you've, you know, both of us now, I mean, you much longer than me. But when you've been in education for a period of time, it's it makes total sense. It's completely logical. But to realise that schools predominantly buy for the new academic year was. Mm. A surprise it, it probably shouldn't have been but we weren't we weren't didn't have an education background when we when we launched schools buddy so that was um that was a surprise and then obviously when you're selling into schools when you're a young company you get well are you going to buy in august september and if you're not okay we're waiting for another 12 months and that's mm. obviously you know you've got to pay yourself or certainly put bread on the table and pay other yeah. people. So that's, that's a big challenge. So, the, I mean, the good news is that we now know Schools Buddy became a success. And um, But I just wonder, at what point did you feel that it was going to be successful? Yeah, it, it was... Um, the feedback we got throughout was always encouraging. There were very few people who said this is a bad idea. Um, anyone we spoke to in education, you could see that, you could see that um, we weren't um, miles off. We, we were sort of on reasonably on point. And, to, and then when we launched, so we launched 
in 2015, our first clients paid us really in 2016. But we only got about 10 schools. So for the September 2016, we had about 10 schools. So that was quite, I guess that was the point where you feel like um, you're validated in the sense that people are paying for your product. Mm -hmm. But we're still miles and miles away from profitability, you know. Um, and we had developers to pay who, you know, they're not, they're not cheap to pay. Um, and then in 2017, we got some traction, but we probably only had 30 or 40 schools by the following August. So that was when I guess we, the, the, the validation and the fact that we had, weren't completely on the wrong track was, was definite. But it was until 2018, really, that we had a viable business in the sense that we had enough customers to be, you know, breaking even. Uh, so, yeah, it took it took two years from launch, really, to get to a point yeah. where we were breaking even. Throughout that time, did you have have doubts? Um, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I, the naivety in some ways helped because... As I said to you, like the, the whole process was a sort of evolving and, and moving piece as you went on, went on. So I think that helped in the fact that we always had hope, naive hope, that we'd be able to convince schools to buy kind of outside of that buying cycle. Um, so that, in a sense, that naivety helped. But yeah, I mean, as as we've talked about in the past, there was one particular moment for me where we were selling to a school in Malaysia. And we'd had seven or eight meetings with them. This would have been 2016, I'm pretty sure. And um, they were, you know, we loved the product. It's great. Obviously, we were new, so they were really robust in making sure that we were able to deliver. And, and that's why we had so many meetings. But it was a really, really good process. And they were great people. And then just at the moment that they were about to place the order, which would have been March or April, I think, 2016, um we were told that they'd renewed with somebody else and i remember for me that was a real kind of low blow like i just that was that was just because because we realized how few opportunities we had because we were so new um and that was yeah that was um that was a pretty low moment <laughs> now a lot of people of course would give up along the way. I'm sure there are instances for people where life circumstance and things can impact. But I'm wondering, like, you know, through looking back now, what would be the biggest thing that you think you learned that will perhaps you'll use now moving forward in future ventures? I think obviously we're all, you know, we're all we're all different. And this advice, I've read it many times, but it's not for everyone, of course. But for me, it was having um, a business partner because, you know, Gary and I, we were we were friends before we started Schools Buddy, but we didn't know each other, you know, that well. We There's a there's a five year age difference between us. We got to know each other actually playing golf, particularly. Um, but we've become, you know, over that time, great friends. And also, effectively, we were the, you know, we we both got wives and families, but I think it's 
to share that with a business partner who knows everything about the business mm -hmm. and also to be able to ease that pressure on your family as well. You're not having to sulk at home or whatever um, was massive. And, and going back to the the story we I was just talking about with, with the, the school in Malaysia, <laughs> Gary was more on the product side. I was more on the sales side. And I think we're quite similar in a lot of respects, but there is obviously some difference between us because the things that would really bother and upset me and the moments when I was at my lowest were less impactful on him. And then at those times, he was able to pick me up. And then on the flip side, the moments probably more product related where things didn't quite seem to be going quite right on the product side or certainly all the, the focuses that Gary had um, were less impactful on me and I was able to pick him up and keep him going. Because I think there's no doubt in my mind, certainly from my side, that I don't, without Gary's involvement, I, I would have given up because there were just times where, you know, financial pressure, you're running out of money. Um, you're, you're, I mean, in fact, both of our wives were incredibly supportive, never questioned us, really. But you can't help but question yourself. You know, you're that time of 2016 to 2017, and you, like, you've got this validation. You're like, we're, we're, we are onto something. We are onto something. But you haven't solved very many. So then you're thinking, are we, are we onto something? Are we, are we kidding ourselves? You know, are we... Are we mad? Um, so yeah, so that I think for me that was the biggest thing. And I know that I read a fair amount of sort of business, you know, entrepreneurial type literature. And a lot of the people say about how having a business partner is so valid. And and in my experience, I would I would definitely agree with that. That is really good advice. Now, schools buddies successful, profitable, things are going really well. I want you to talk a little bit about uh, Faria and um, and uh, how how that all came about? Yeah, so we um, so we'd worked with Farrier School. So Farrier owns um, Manage Back, um, Open Apply, and and Schools Buddy, and some other brands um, as well. Um, but when we yeah, obviously when we started working with them, they were predominantly um, Manage Back, so running the curriculums in IB schools, um, and we had some recommendations from some of their um, customers that, that they were looking for an activity solution that we had. And so slowly, because we had to integrate the products, the data had to integrate from Manage Back to Schools Buddy. So we had to build, um, it, the, the relationship was an inevitable one in the sense that we had to talk to them to understand how to get the data into Schools Buddy mm -hmm. and so on. So as that happened, I guess Farrier realized that we were onto something. So it's kind of like, it was a bit, a bit like a courtship, I think, sort of from 2017 through 2018, we were building up some rapport and some trust. Um, and I think from their perspective, it became clear that there was a clear need for schools buddy in a lot of their schools. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when um, the, the sort of the acquisition process, I guess, began. That was sort of through 2019. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, and, and it was, 
it's amazing how long things like that take just the whole legal process is just um you you sort of you know i remember going home and saying to my wife oh you know it looks you know we've had a sort of a an initial offer to buy the company and it seems great and you know nine months later lawyers are still talking to each other it's mm -hmm. um it's uh it's a long old process so um i guess in your view what does it take to succeed in edtech um yeah i i thought about this obviously we you know did some preparation we talked before the call and i, and I thought um about this i think you have to it, you have to be persistent obviously um because what you realize when you're selling into education i, I guess it would be depend different for certain products perhaps but you're you're selling to people who are effectively in meetings all day every day um i'm i'm using the example of a meeting but actually obviously it's it's lessons for for many people mm -hmm. they're in a lesson so how you get hold of those people, it's very hard. To, you know, you can't pick up the phone and talk to them because they're teaching. Um, they come out of teaching and they've, people like me, sending them hundreds of emails. <laughs> so they've got hundreds of emails in their inbox. So the, the amount of communication from my side or from the sales side that you're, that you're um, sending to schools is enormous for what feels like relatively low response rate. Um, but I don't think, and I, th and I think that's an easy point for someone to give up because you think, well, they're not interested. They're not responding. Mm. And in my previous life in mortgages, for example, I definitely would have given up, you know, do you want to buy a house? Yes or no. Do you, am I the mortgage broker for you? Yes or no. Okay. If I haven't heard from you for three months, you know, if I'm still emailing you three months later, you'd think I was mad, you know, I've, I've already moved in, you know, why are you still emailing me? Um, Whereas with education, you need to be able to be, I would say, persistent on that side. And I think that that also then kind of pairs up with you need to be able to budget pretty carefully because you're, and, and I know this is true of other, you know, organizations, not just schools, buddy, your predominant income is coming in, you know, around the summer, you know, July, mm -hmm. August, September, people are renewing. So that money, you need to not run out of money before it, and you need to then spend that money wisely because you're not likely then to get a load of money in the interim period. You know, you will get some sales, but very, very few and far between. I mean, I'm guessing off the top of my head, but I reckon 80 to, 80 to 85% of revenue comes in those months. So you've really got to be able to budget carefully. Um thinking of people who've got their own idea or project that they think could be the next big thing, um, what would be the single piece of advice that you would, that you would give them? Yeah. I, I mean, so when I left university, I didn't consider myself to be entrepreneurial um, in any way, really. My career has happened as lots of careers, I guess, happen sort of by accident um hopefully with some reasonable decisions along the way but but you know there's a lot of things that happened sort of yeah by by accident um and through that journey i've been involved with a few different startup ideas um so in the mortgage world we tried a few different other startups to sit alongside that for additional revenue 
And I think you need to know, it's like a horrible thing to say. And some people, you know, listening to this will, will in a way not thank you, but you do need to know when to give up. And that was kind of the challenge with Schools Buddy. So in a couple of the other sort of sideline projects I'd done when I was particularly in financial services. So we, for example, we started an estate agency. And I guess it's kind of instinct. There were, you just sort of knew it wasn't quite happening. We weren't quite, you know, it just wasn't quite there for whatever reason. And we knew that it was the right decision to, to say, look, we're not the experts in this. We're going to park that. We're going to give up. And I think with Schools Buddy, because Gary and I, when we were in sort of of sound mind, if you like, when we were fairly level and calm, mm-hmm. we always we never questioned it. Like we questioned it mm-hmm. at those sort of sl- high and low moments. But in a in a sort of sound frame of mind, after a good night's sleep, we'd be like, "No, we are. We are onto something. Like we really believe in it." So having that ability, I guess, and you could argue it's luck, but having that ability to go, "Well, hang on, this isn't working," and this isn't working yet but we're really on to something mm-hmm. i think that's that ability to try and separate those two things because it's so easy to you know to be passionate right and you think my idea is so good and it solves my problem and that's great but does it solve enough of other people's problems and if it does can you monetize it because you know that's also the challenge you know when you when you realize you're onto something how quickly is it going to bring enough revenue to put bread on the table effectively for you and or the other people that you're employing? Um, and I think that that's just the reality of, you know, running your own business. So it's all about there's, you know, belief, it's harnessing that belief and, and working it within the realms of, I guess, your your current situation and what, people are saying to you and refining perhaps that belief is that yeah perhaps a good summary here yeah. yeah yeah definitely and 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 trying to understand whether your belief is um marketable to a big enough audience yeah, yeah. very good now david i want to uh, look ahead let's look ahead and i want to ask you about uh well what what's next uh, are you staying in edtech yeah so i I finished with Farrier um, nearly a year ago now. And to be honest, I didn't envisage sticking around in EdTech, not because I didn't enjoy it and have some great experiences, um, because, you know, I worked with people like yourself and there's other you know people in, in your shoes that I'm still, you know, I would like to think pretty friendly with. Um, but I felt like my knowledge was so sort of niche that I wasn't sure that it would kind of translate into another idea. Um, I, I suppose just on that, you know, I um, I realized at Farrier one of the things about leave, sort of leaving was that I realized that I'm just more passionate as a founder, really. That's just mm-hmm. kind of what gets me out of bed in the morning. So I didn't, whilst, you know, there were other, there were, obviously other jobs in EdTech that I could go to. I wanted to find, sort of found something in EdTech. So, um, yeah, I I had some time out with the family. 
And um, eventually, uh, along with Gary, uh, we were lucky enough to meet a couple of guys who had what we think is um, a pretty good idea. And uh, yeah, we're just we're just doing something now, right now. Is there anything you'd like to share about that idea? Yeah, so we um, so we're we're, we're looking at the world of esports um, mm -hmm. and international schools. Um, we in, with Schools Buddy, we worked with athletic activities um, and sort of tech directors, mm -hmm. and we having made some nice contacts there. We, we we came across so we Gary and well Gary was actually approached by. Uh, two lads, um, Elliot and Eunice, fresh out of college, really passionate, um, really smart guys, and really passionate about um, esports. And it's actually quite a nice story. They didn't, um, they never went to school together. They are international school students who met um, gaming, um, you know, met online gaming. And they got in touch with Gary um, because they had come across Schools Buddy as they were trying to get their idea. Um, off the ground um, and we started to speak to them and then um, um, yeah we realized through talking to, to to friendly contacts at schools that actually the world of esports is coming um, international schools are aware of it and looking for ways to kind of embed that in their athletic and their after school programs so um, so yeah so that's what we're doing it sounds like a really great uh, opportunity to sort of uh, partner up with uh, two people with, I guess, give, providing a balance to your experience and skill set. It does sound interesting. And also from the product point of view, it's uh, certainly something in schools, which uh, I know from experience that schools are very much aware of. If you know, There are schools that already participate in a lot of uh, esports uh, events and activities, but a lot of schools are also just trying to figure out how to go about that. So, uh, yeah, I, I wish you good luck with that. Um, okay. Now, um, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, so um, uh, people are welcome to get in touch with me there. But if they'd like to email me, um, it's david.higginson at... Uh, so the company is called Diagon. So it's david.higginson at diagon.gg. Uh, Diagon is D-A-I-G-O-N. Uh, the website is... Um, DiagonEsports.com. Uh, so what we'd like to do, David, actually, because it's, you know, we've we've talked over a number of years and it's great to be involved with your new, you know, your new venture and your new Small platform. Venture, yeah. <laughs> um, so we were, we'd like to kind of do a little giveaway, basically. So um, anybody who's a, an international school who books a meeting uh, with us, um, We'll give three gaming controllers away to them. Uh, no obligation to buy anything. Um, we just like to sit down, uh, learn a bit about what they're interested in, tell them a bit about what we're up to, um, and we'll give yeah three gaming controllers away um, to their school just to help them kind of launch esports um, at their school. So, and we'll we'll do that kind of up to the end of May, I think, this year. If that's if that sounds good to you, that sounds fantastic. Um, that is great. What do they have to do? Just mention. Uh, this wonderful show, Education Talks. That's exactly right. So, yes, yeah, so if they if they book a meeting via the contact form, mention your name or mention um, Education Talks, then um, then we'll we'll send those three controllers. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Now, I I really hope you don't end up with three controllers collecting dust in the corner. I really hope that uh, someone 
uh, and, and amongst the big audience out there takes that opportunity. That's fantastic. Um, look, David, it's been uh, really great to catch up. Great to have this chat. I've certainly uh, been, uh, well, I'll be taking notes later on. Uh, great to have a chat and, and learn about your story and uh, wish you all the best for the future. Hope to see you again here on Education Talks. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure. Education Talks is an Ed Events production for the Ed Events community. You can keep up to date with the development of the community by registering on the website at ed.events.